Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. One of the most amazing things that we see in the Bible is the perfectly relevant stories that apply today. David and Goliath is a story we've all heard for most of our lives. But have you ever considered the giants in your own life? Pastor J.D. will help us realize today that God has proven himself victorious over every giant we face. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on January 17, 2021. So, this is not a coincidence. This is a detail recorded in Scripture for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And it points to this being a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual entities that Paul lists in Ephesians chapter 6. And oh, also interesting to note, the armor, the spiritual armor that we're given, we also have six pieces of armor with which to stand and even extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one. This is our first takeaway. We're quick and good about recognizing, okay, I get it. It's a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power of darkness, these entities in the realm of the spirit. But in so doing, we also are very prone to forget that it's still a battle. Let me explain. Yeah, I know the battle belongs to the Lord. I know it's a spiritual battle, but sometimes I think we forget that it's still a battle. Especially now, this world that we're living in. It's not a playground. It's a battleground. We are at war. This is no time to be playing church, playing Christianity. It's getting serious. Life and death are at stake. And I'm not just talking about life and death, I'm talking about eternity. Eternal life and eternal death are at stake. Number two. Oh, wait, there's one more thing here. Oh, i got to mention this. The sheer size of this giant, who it's believed was one of the Anakim left in Gath, lends itself to this notion of impossible to defeat. You've heard the expression, too big to fail, too big to fall, too big to defeat. Why do I mention this? Because outwardly, the big tech giants, or whatever that giant is in your life, you fill in the blank, 
outwardly it appears to be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And that's our second takeaway. Oftentimes, God may allow the situation to become impossible for you, so it's possible for Him. You know, sometimes if it's still possible for us, it's hands off to God. Because in our own strength, in our flesh, that is in and of ourselves, we tend to, hey, I could, I could do this. It's still possible. And, and God will never force Himself on us. He'll just wait patiently until we come to that place where we throw up our arms and we say, oh God, this is impossible. Oh, music to God's ears. That, wait, did you just say it's impossible? Finally, it's about time. It's impossible, right? Watch me now. Because God is the God of the impossible. And there's a reason for it. It's so that He alone gets the glory for it. He allows it to come to that place where it is absolutely impossible for us, so that He can do the impossible, and He alone gets the glory. Okay, this is number two. And this is interesting. Attacks oftentimes come from within. I find it interesting that David has to first battle with his own brother, who falsely accuses him of that which he himself is guilty of, pride. Pride. I'm of the belief that Eliab was not only jealous of, but bitter towards his brother David, because he was the heir apparent, if you will. When Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel, when it had been taken from Saul, Eliab, the firstborn son, is the obvious one. But when Samuel goes through all of David's brothers, David's not even there. Where is he? Oh, tending to the sheep. How appropriate. In fact, he starts with Eliab, and Samuel's like, huh, it's not Eliab. Could you imagine Eliab? His heart would sink in disbelief. And well, surely it's not going to be any of my other brothers. And then he goes through all of the other seven brothers, or six brothers, counting Eliab, seven brothers, David the eighth. None of them. And then Samuel is flabbergasted. He asks Jesse, do you have any more sons? Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, none of these are anointed the next king of Israel. And dad's like, well, I actually do, but come on. I mean, he's, and Samuel says, go get him. Nobody does anything until you get him right here, right now. And they go get David. They bring him and he's anointed. And Samuel in his in inquiry of the Lord, asks the Lord, this, what? And the Lord says, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. 
So this happened before this, and Eliab knew it. And now Eliab sees his little brother there. He's bitter towards him, jealous of him. And that's our third takeaway. Don't be surprised when brothers in Christ, riddled with jealousy and filled with pride, falsely accuse you and attack you. By the way, parenthetically let me say, and I think I've referenced this before, I've seen this increase in just the last several months in ways that I could have never imagined online. What's happening within the body of Christ? I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, you guys better be careful. You keep biting and devouring and gossiping and, and slandering each other, you're going to destroy each other from within. One can't help but think that had David taken Eliab's false accusations to heart, that he may have reacted in the flesh. And this is actually why I think we have this detail recorded for us. It's not for us to see how bitter Eliab was. It's for us to see how humble David was. Think this through with me. Had David taken this to heart, it would have been evidence of his pride being insulted by his older brother. And it's kind of interesting because his older brother accuses him of being proud and full of himself and conceited. Who do you think you are? Go, go back home. And he himself is the one who possesses that which he's accusing his little brother of. And his little brother is not that. In fact, he's the antithesis of that. He's a humble young man after God's own humble heart. And it was because of his humility that he didn't react. He didn't let it get to him. If he was full of even a little bit of pride, it's kind of like, what did you say to me? That's pride. Pride is what fuels. Pride is the fuel in the tank of conflict and arguments and wars. Ask James about that. What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Pride pride. But when you're humble and somebody accuses you falsely, you're like, hey, I, the Lord knows my heart. Reminds me of a true story about a pastor. He's with the Lord now. Great pastor, great teacher of God's Word. After one of his sermons, somebody in the church came up to him and said, Pastor, you're so full of pride. Now, thank you for not saying that to me, because <laughs> I don't know how well I would do in response. I would probably look at you. Never mind, I'm not going to take that any further. <laughs> but I love what he said. He said, oh my friend, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> That's humility. And with the humility comes the victory. And that's the key here to David. Because David remained humble in his humility, with a godly strength, 
he'd already won. And that big ugly giant, he's already a dead man. He just doesn't know it yet. Here's takeaway number four. I want to say it specifically this way for a reason. Humility is the soil from which faith germinates, sprouts, and grows the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit. In our study through Proverbs, we saw repeatedly how that its humility is the beginning of wisdom. Humility is the beginning of wisdom. You can flip that around too, and the Proverbs are replete with this as well on the other side of that table. If wisdom comes from humility, then that means folly comes from pride, and it does. It does. And pride always precedes the fall. No exceptions. Number three, we're going to talk about this a little bit in Second Timothy for second service. And again, I realize this might sound like a firm grasp of the obvious, but I'm hoping you'll hear me out on this. The Lord will deliver you. Now, the dialogue that's recorded in the narrative between King Saul and David is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which, as we already mentioned, Saul's trying to talk him out of it. And he's saying things to him like, David, listen, um, you're adorable, (laughs) but this giant's been fighting and eating kids like you for lunch longer than you've been alive. You don't stand a chance. And here's David looking at Saul through the lens of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, And instead of Saul talking David out of it, David talks Saul into it. I mean, I want you to think about the the contrast here and the irony. (laughs) Saul acquiesces to a persistent and tenacious David who boldly declares that the Lord delivered him from bears and lions. It's like he's saying, Saul, you don't get it. Let me, let me try this again so you understand. There were many times as I was protecting the sheep, that there would come a bear or a lion. And by the way, the text doesn't specifically say that it was just one bear, one lion. I would argue that there were several bears, several lions, not to mention wolves. And David says to Saul that the Lord delivered them into my hands. So here's the thing, Saul. If God's going to deliver the bear and the lion into my hands, this uncircumcised Philistine is just going to be a lunch break for me. And I love the specificity of the narrative because Saul is like, oh my goodness, go. (laughs) What are you going to say to that? Go. Here's takeaway number five. I think we do err greatly when we somehow think we can do anything 
in our own strength. It is the Lord who delivers us. It's in the power of His might, in His strength. You have to understand, speaking of the contrast, that Saul and the Israelite army with him are all viewing this giant in their own strength, which is why they're so paralyzed and fear. But not David. There's a holy boldness, a sanctified strength and confidence. I want to talk about that more in a moment. What's striking in all of this is that David has to even talk Saul into that which Saul is trying to talk him out of. And it's not so much that David does it, though that's striking. What's even more striking is how David does it. He does it by recalling what God did for him in the past. You know where I'm going with this? It's takeaway number six. We would do well to remember what God has done in our lives in the past, for when we face those giants in the present and in the future. After our daughter Noel died, my wife and I, I'll never forget this, seems like it was just yesterday, we're sitting there having coffee in the morning, our time together, and she just looks over at me and says, you know, if God can get us through this, is there anything that God can't get us through? And God knows my heart when I say this. I stand before you today as one who has recalled all of those times in the past when God delivered me, when I thought, this is how it ends. It's over. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way, God, I'm going to get through this. The pain is too much. There's no way. But God, He got me through. <laughs> he got me through. And again, you'll, there, there's a sanctified strength in this keyword sanctified, because it's kind of like this. <laughs> God got me through that lion, that bear, that trial, that situation, that impossibility. This, this uncircumcised Philistine, bring it on. Bring it on. And that's what David basically says. Not quite like that. But he says, because God did that with the bear and the lion, this uncircumcised Philistine is not going to be a problem, my king. And that's when Saul just says, okay, go. Here you go. By the way, take my armor. No, not yet. Something else here I want to point out. I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to. And it has to do with preparation. God preparing David for that which he was preparing for David. I think about Joseph, 17 years. You don't just put somebody in the position of being the most powerful man in the known world, save Pharaoh, without preparing him first. To do so would be to set him up for a fail and a fall. 
So Joseph had to go through all of that to be prepared for that which God had prepared for him. Same with David. That was all preparation. And I think sometimes we despise that process in our impatience. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Oh, just wait, you'll see. Yeah, but God, this is hard. I know. Watch what I'm going to do. Yeah, but God. First of all, if I could be so candid, when it comes to Joseph and David with him too, it was a number of years after this with David as well, preparing him for the throne to be king. I don't like that number 17 associated with years in the preparation process. 17 years? Yeah. I got to prepare you. Is there any other way? No. I got to prepare you for that which I'm preparing for you. And if you only knew what I was going to do. All the lions, all the bears God has delivered you from over the years. Preparation. What are you saying? There's a giant coming? Oh yeah, it's it's already here. It's already here. I'm not going to mention its name. But it's a giant of a problem. And that's part of the process to prepare us. Number four, it may be unconventional. Stay with me on this. This is where Saul puts his armor on David, and then when he tries to walk, he can't. And he says to Saul, "Um, I can't wear this. And then he says, it's not been tested, which carries with it the idea of, I'm not accustomed to it. Now again, stay with me. What he's saying is, I'm not accustomed to that which you deem to be conventional. I'm not accustomed to this. In fact, I'm going to do this in the power of His might in an unconventional way. Uh, this is conventional. This is, this is what everybody does. This is <laughs> the way of the world, the weaponry of the world. As the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians says, our weaponry is not carnal, but spiritual. I'm not accustomed to this conventional carnality, if you will. And that's takeaway number nine. Wait, that's not takeaway number nine, that's takeaway number eight. It advanced my notes. It's trying to hurry me up. I know I don't have much time. Don't do that. Takeaway number eight. It's to our own peril that we become accustomed to the ways of conventional carnality, wearing and using the world's weaponry. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. 
Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.